What if I told you that there was a simple way to improve your creativity, self-awareness, focus, concentration, and reduce your stress, even anxiety? It's free. It's not exercise. It's not sleep. Any ideas? Hmm. Turns out, a way to achieve all of those things is solitude. Huh. Not sitting in a room alone on your phone or watching telly. No, that's not it. Solitude. Just being with your thoughts. Yeah, solitude's it's, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Too much of it. It's a bit hard to come back from. Not enough of it. Life can become quite difficult. Finding the balance and making time to find it deliberately? Hmm. Is it even a good idea? Turns out it, it's a very good idea. Kerry Sackville, well, she's done her homework. She's written a book all about it. And she's here to speak about solitude today, particularly about what happens to us when we seek out too little of it or deal with too much of it. And as someone who has done both, I found this conversation quite fascinating and I, it had the direct effect, this chat, of me changing my daily habits because of it. I think you will too, but, you know, you're you, I'm me. Before we get there, I like to pay the people who work on this show, so we're going to play some ads. Back in a moment. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. It's in solitude that our minds wander. So it's in solitude that we we activate the part of the brain that is responsible for daydreaming and creativity. Like we need alone time for our moral courage. And, you know, when you do any research into people who have become radicalised, people who subscribe to kind of weird conspiracy theories, trolls online, you know, they're not um, buying into like a cohesive logical framework, you know, some kind of system of thought that makes sense. What they're doing is that they're not stopping to think about, about does this make sense? What are the holes in the logic? Do I really believe this? Um, a lot of 
you know, acts of, of violence or trolling or, or evil or extreme right-wing thinking is just a failure to actually stop and think. That is author, columnist and broadcaster Kerry Sackville. This is Osher Ginsberg, Better Than Yesterday. Welcome to the show. This is Better Than Yesterday, a podcast here to make your day-to-day better than yesterday. We've been doing it uh, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays since 2013, where each and every podcast is just here to make your day a little bit better than yesterday through conversations with some of the most interesting people from all around the world, some of the best at what they do. Uh, Each conversation has just a little bit of something that'll hopefully give you just a little, let's try that. And what do you know? You go to bed tonight and go, yeah, it was a good one today. That's all I try to do because, you know, if we're not growing, if we're not moving, if we're not learning, what are we doing? All things grow. Everything that's alive grows. If you're not growing, what are you doing? I'd rather be the other thing. I'm Osha Ginsberg. I should really introduce myself. Hello. I'm Osha. Thanks for being here. I am a a podcaster. I'm an author. I'm a parent. I'm a step-parent. I'm uh, someone who played a gig in Newcastle across the weekend at the Newcastle Comedy Festival at the Gala. It was super-duper fun, and I am in just awe of my incredible cast. Thank you so much to everyone that came and saw the show. It was freaking brilliant. Spend the weekend with um, Cody and Heggy and a bunch of new friends in Newcastle. It was just awesome. Thank you so much for coming to be a part of it. I'm talking about the news show that we've been doing, NTNN, NNN. Fantastic. And um, that was the last live show we're doing for a little bit. I'm about to go into a bunch of TV work. We're not going to have time to uh, do another live show for a teeny tiny bit. But the next thing we're doing is we're pitching that show. You know, I'd like, I'm like trying to keep you up to date with the journey of this thing. Um, so we're taking it to the network. Hey guys, this is what we're doing. Um, yeah. If you're new to this, um, I do have an email address and you are more than welcome to email me. Send Osher email at gmail.com. If you've just been listening for new a little while, then you may not realize this, but I I always love to see where you're listening to the show. What are you what are you doing right now? Take a photo. Usually if you're listening on a phone, take a photo of it, send it to me. Send Osher email at gmail.com. That's it. Super easy. What are you looking at? Laundry, dishes, a field, the park. The inside of your car. Don't touch your phone if you're driving. I'd love to see what you're doing um, and where you are. It's always nice. It's always nice to find that out. Look, I want to tell you about my guest today, Kerry Sackville. She's an author. She's a writer. She's a regular columnist for the Sunday Life magazine, the Sydney Morning Herald and the Melbourne Age. And over the years, Kerry has frequently appeared on TV, radio networks. She's a very extraordinary person and has a lot to say and, um, she has quite an acerbic and hilarious way of observing the world, as is evidenced in the five books that she's written. She's written five books. I've written one. She's written five. And her latest is called The Secret Life of You, and it's about spending time alone. If you can't recall the last time that you spent time alone, this conversation might be what you need to help you carve out some time and defend that time to make that happen. It certainly did it for me. Kerry is a hoot. Enjoy this chat. I most certainly did. This is Kerry Sackville. Kerry, it's delightful to have you on the show. Thank you for making the time to do this. I, I am sorry that we didn't get a chance to do it face-to-face, but I've saved you the daycare pathogen that has infiltrated our household, and I'm pretty sure that you're beyond those years now. I am. My youngest is 15. Um, yes. but she did give me COVID, 
So, ah, you know, there's still that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Also, you know, connections. Yeah, also. oh, many connections. Many yeah, connections. yeah. I, I am excited. You've written many books. Uh, your book about dating in midlife because it is something that after I got divorced, I was like, oh, holy shit, here I am and I'm single and the last time that I was single – to send a text message, like there's a reason my thumb one's bigger than the other is because the amount of text, like there was no apps, there was no smartphones, cameras didn't come on phones, there was nothing, you know, there was, yeah. and that was that long ago and here I am swiping. It was yeah. the worst thing in the universe. Yeah. It was, I hated every second of it. It was incredibly exciting for the first couple of days and then it was really awful and I did it for a long time. And um, in the end, you know, I, I um, am in a relationship but I met my partner off the apps. After oh. all those years of swiping and matching and, you know, having these long, you know, really chemistry-filled conversations with people via text and then you meet them and you have absolutely nothing to say to each other. It's like, wow, well, uh, how nice, did you, nice memes. How you did know? you meet someone like in the IRL, as they say? I know. Amazing, huh? It sounds very corny. He um, he invited me to speak at a conference. Ah, <laughs> Yeah. Power dynamics are always yeah. exciting. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, no, we and we actually we connected and, and we stayed friends for a while and we um, we ended up in a relationship quite some years later. And I've oh. never, never actually done that before. I'd never been, you know, friendly with somebody and then moved into a relationship and it's actually a really, really good way of doing it. I would agree with you. Yeah. I would agree with you entirely. And you know, it get, can get poo-pooed sometimes, but I, I am great friends with my wife. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, you know, you would know from if you did any online dating, I mean, the problem with it, the great flaw in it is that you've got to make snap decisions really quickly about That's these the people worst. that you're, yeah. you know, you're basing it on photos and a few text <laughs> messages. And, yeah. you know, text communication is really different to in-person communication mm. um, and you can have great text chemistry with someone but they're sitting there and they're, you know, composing their text messages and they might be showing them to their mates and, and they might yeah, be brainstorming yeah. and, and yeah. in person when it flows back and forth, it's completely different. And it's the same with, you know, with meeting friends. You know, you can meet friends yeah. online and think you've got a great connection and when you finally meet up in person, it's like, oh, God, like this is really awkward. Y- yeah, I uh, I just I just liked it in- in- intensely yeah. and, um yeah. It's hard. Uh, there could, are success stories. I know people who've, you know, met their I've, partners online, but. It, I've been to weddings yeah. based on it. You know, I've, I've, you know yeah. great. Hooray. But Hooray when for you. When I, I feel like in my experience, if you, like there are people who get on the apps and they meet someone really quickly mm. and they're set and they're happy. And I feel like if you don't, if you're like me and you're there for, you know, you're single for a long time and it, it becomes really you become really jaded, you become really, you can be quite traumatised. There's nothing, yeah, there's nothing lonelier really than sitting opposite someone in a cafe trying to make conversation with them, trying to connect with them, yeah. and you realise that you are just poles apart. It's so, and you come home feeling worse than you did before. It's awful. And, you know, when I consider it, you know, the the, the latest book, it explores time alone yeah. and explores the concepts of benef- the benefits of being alone and, the, you know, being comfortable with your own presence and you know there's a part of certainly if you know you're me I found a great amount of uh healing and rewiring of habits and things like that after being in um two quite long-term relationships fairly close together to suddenly then be not in anything for about three years 
was actually really good. Yeah. Um, because I got to have a chance to sit down and have a jolly good look and go, as I said, through these apps going, oh, no, 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 this is not what I want. No. Yeah. And what a, what a kind of person do I need to be to attract the kind of person that I would like to have around? And the alone part was nice until it wasn't. Yeah. And then I was lonely. And yeah. I was like, this is the most beautiful sunset. Oh, fuck, I'm building myself. Great. Where's the point for you where the, the solitude has a benefit or the time alone has a benefit and then, you know, it's time, there's, there's more benefit for a moment or, you know, a life to be shared? Look, human beings aren't meant to be alone all the time. We're also not meant to be never alone. So that's the thing. We need connection with other people, but we also need connection with ourselves. And, you know, I talk about it in the book. It's incredibly important to have real meaningful connections, but it's ironic because the greater the connection that we have with ourselves, the greater the connection we can have with other people. And there's a couple of reasons for that. All of us want to feel love for who we are and seen for who we really are. Like that's what everybody says. That's what love is, right? So, you know, you're with somebody who really sees you, who really knows you, who really understands you. If you never stop and actually get to know yourself, you're not going to recognize it when it's there. So, you know, for me, when I was, I was really dating quite frenetically for years and years. I never stopped. I never learned to be comfortable with myself. And as a result, I think I was looking you know, for connection in completely the wrong places with completely the wrong people. Um, and it wasn't until I, I stopped and I learned to be comfortable with myself um, and learn who I was and what I wanted out of life and asked myself all of those questions and connected with myself, then I was able to recognise that connection when it was there. And it also, you know, when you're afraid to be alone, you're also seeking connections in all the wrong places because other people, you know, social media, everything becomes a distraction. It's not about connecting meaningfully with someone. It's about using somebody else, you know, to to fill a gap in yourself and not in a good sexual way, like in a, in a bad way. Um, hey, yeah, yeah I know, but I know, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. In, and, you know, I've talked about this a bit, um, but in, in it's a good point to bring it up in that I met my wife uh, because there was someone very close to me that I've been working with for a very long time now who just said, look, I can't look after you. She was my makeup artist. She said, I can't look after you next week. So I said, yes, to a gig before this one. I've got someone to come to take care of the job and you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. And at that point in my life, I had known enough about, okay, I had been choosing things that I thought I needed but if I had to think about where all those choices got me, they got me to a place that was not good for either of the people involved yeah. in that. So my ability to choose what I thought I needed is not great. I might trust someone else's choice here and just see where it goes. Yeah. And uh, there it was. Yeah. And taking myself out of that equation was actually quite important because I kept going for this thing that I thought I wanted, but what I wanted and what I actually needed were two very different things. Yeah. When, when we're looking at ourselves. And, and we, as you said, you were d- dating back to back to back. What was it that had you stop down and essentially go, well, oh hang on, what's, it, what's the difference here? It was, it was a really bad time. It was 2020, was lockdown. It's a bad time here for in everyone. Yeah. It was a bad time for a lot of people. For yeah. me, it was really grim. I had, was having some health problems. I've got an autoimmune um, disease, which had been under control for most of my life and just was probably from stress and all sorts of other reasons out of control. And I was really, really worried about my health. The media, you know, I'm a columnist. The me- I-, I was doing a lot of work up until that point. The media crashed and burned, you know, they weren't getting the advertising mm. revenue so they couldn't pay uh, columnists. Yeah. I had very little work. 
Um, I had three kids at home, two of whom were really unhappy. Um, my, you know, my eldest was third year uni and hating uni online. My big girl had, you know, finished school, done six days of uni and, you know, then at home, that was a really rough time for her. My little one who was still at school was having a great time, like supposedly online learning and actually playing Minecraft with her friends, but two of them were really unhappy and I was incredibly lonely. And what I had done previously when I was lonely was honestly was just like go on the dating apps and mm. use them as a way to, to fill that kind of need for connection. And that wasn't available to me because it was the pandemic. I couldn't yeah. see my friends. I couldn't wander around my spiritual home of Westfield Bondi Junction. Yeah. Um, and I was just spending all my time literally scrolling madly on Instagram. Like that was uh, honestly, I, I just would fall into those loops. So they're called, bad they're called for ludic you. loops, like where you just get stuck scrolling and scrolling. What did you call them? Ludic, Lud- ludic loops. So that's a term. I didn't coin that term. Um, a sociologist coined that term, but it's when it's, it's, you know, because as you know, social media uses gambling technologies to keep us hooked and they mm-hmm. want us to stay. And and it's when you pick up your phone just to check if you've got any messages and you kind mm. of wake up two hours later and you've literally lost two hours of your life just scrolling mindlessly. And I realised I was feeling more and more lonely, more and more disconnected. It wasn't working. And I thought, I've just got to stop. I've got to try something else. What I have been doing up until this point has led me here and it's not a good place the dating had not gone well. You know, I was constantly trying to find connection with the wrong people um, Mm. in the wrong places. And, you know, I talk about loneliness in the book, but loneliness is, loneliness is the, you know, it's not a disease. A lot, there's been a lot of talk about the loneliness epidemic and loneliness is a disease. Loneliness is like hunger. You know, when we're, when we're hungry, it's because we need food. When we're lonely, we need connection. So loneliness is the difference between the connection that we have and the connection that we need or sorry the connection we desire and the more connected you are to yourself the the less lonely you're going to be when you're alone and the less lonely you're going to be full stop and then the more you're going to be able to connect with other people because again as I said before you're not using them to fill that need in you Mm. and so I resolved to just stop with the phone stop with the social media and learn to connect with myself and it was incredibly hard it was literally mm. a case of like my fingers would be twitching to pick up my phone and or to call someone or to just distract myself. And yeah. it was hard. I, you know, obviously I didn't take myself to a silent retreat because that was not something that was available to me, but mm. I did just start literally sitting with no devices, with my thoughts. I did a lot of journaling. I would go for walks again without a podcast. Um, as much as we all love podcasts and we love your podcast, but it was something that I, I needed to to take a break from. When I was able to, I went, my parents have, have a place on the central coast and I went and stayed there by myself for a few days. And I'd never done that before, just in silence. And I wanted to learn how to befriend myself as I tried to be a friend to other people. So I mean that very literally, like I, I got to the point where, and I can do that now, where if I am distressed, if I am anxious, if I'm uncomfortable, I can actually talk to myself like I would talk to someone else. Um, I'll say to myself, it's okay, Kiz, you know, everything's going to be all right. This is going to be okay. I'll journal. I'll often have conversations with myself, particularly in the car. I'll ask myself questions. I'll hear the answer. And, you know, what I thought was I, I was single. I spent a lot of time alone. And I thought there is no guarantee that I will find 
a partner. And even if you do find a partner, as you know, there's no guarantee that that person will be with you until the end Mm. of your life. And there will be times, even in the best relationship, where your partner or your friends or your parents or your kids can't give you the connection that you need at that point or Mm. can't give you the support. And I realized I had to learn to support myself. And, And I can honestly say that it was a difficult process, but I feel like it was a successful one. And when I did eventually connect with my partner and started spending more time together, I was able to just enjoy him and love him without that desperate, frantic need. Is this going to work? Is this going to be okay? Are we going to end up together? That is born out of a terror of being alone. Yeah, the, 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 you know, you could you could bring everything back to the denial of death, can't you? But you know, the idea 100%. of being the idea of being alone is if I like if this swipe doesn't work, I will die alone. Like, Literally, no, mate, fucking, it's if you do, it'll be okay. You yeah. know, well, <laughs> you I know, think it helps and, to realize we are fundamentally alone in some way. Yeah. You know, when when we talk about the denial of death, and we're all so scared of death in in our society. And I read, you know, I read um a couple of books recently on stoicism and the whole idea that that we should confront our own death daily to make us appreciate mm. life, and there is really something in that. Doesn't it's a goodie. It's a real goodie. Um, a goodie. But no matter who you have in your life, nobody else can die with you, or at least you, you certainly hope they're not going to unless it's a really yeah. bad motorcycle accident perhaps. Um, we won't talk about that. Um, but, you know, ultimately we do journey through life alone. We have people around us. We have people who love us, but... We all have a secret self inside us that we can try and share with with another person, but we can never share all of ourselves. Mm. You know, if you were to share with your wife every single thought that crossed your mind, doesn't go the, well. It's not going to go well. As someone with impulsivity issues, it doesn't ha- it, do- no. it happens and it's never good. No, it's never good. Like never the, good. What do you men- think about this? Terrible. Why would you say that? Not. <laughs> but we all have those internal monologues, yeah. and we're not. We are meant to have some part of ourselves that is just for us. And nobody in the world, you know, I'm going to talk about this book, nobody in the, in the entire world is exactly like you. You will find people who can relate to you. You'll find people who, you know, can understand you as, as much yeah. as a human being can understand. But we are all essentially alone inside our own heads. And the, the more comfortable we are with that, the greater the ease of our passage through the rest of our lives. You mentioned a silent retreat, and then you know, I don't think uh, you know. I prefer Chen Resig up near Udlow, but hey, the Central Coast will work. Uh, well, that was quite transformative for me. I went and did a silent yeah. retreat in my early in my early twenties up in a Buddhist temple, and up in uh, southeast Queensland, which I th- thoroughly recommend. Though cultural practices of solitude. Uh, are definitely a thing, whether, you know, you'd be the Hindu, you know, going off into the forest or, the, you know, as you mentioned, yeah. the Buddhist, you know, solitude r- retreat. But the, the trope is that it's a, it's a long, beardy, skinny person uh, sitting out there forever, but that's not it, is it? And then and it, comes, it comes in religion as well. You know, there was a Jewish carpenter who spent 40 days and 40 nights yeah. in a desert once. Uh, w- what is it about the, um, about the cultural practice that sometimes gets, you know, kind of written into the, the religious ceremony of, of solitude that you think, um, you know, w- how do you think it ended up there? Oh, there's, there's, you know, an incredible rich history of solitude um, right up until modern times, and then it sort of stopped 
you know, even like the poets of the 18th and 19th centuries would often go in and retreat, you know, to a cabin in the woods or whatever. They'd have they'd have a, um, a patron who would pay for them just to sit there and make their art, and that was really respected. You know, Jesus and Buddha and Muhammad and and Moses, you know, they all spent time in solitude, and solitude is is you know where people, um, if if you are religious, um, where they, you know, communicate with their God, um, where they communicate with their, themselves. Solitude is is where wisdom is born. You know, when you look mm. inside yourself and and you know find the kind of universal wisdom throughout the ages. And for artists, you know, there's such a rich history of of solitude. But we in our modern culture regard it with with such like suspicion. You know, it was. I was just thinking. I was, you know, reading up. Je- Jessica Watson's been in the news again. You know, she was the the solo sailor mm. around the world, and you know, I remember when she went on her journey and people like her who embark on solo adventures, and and we're not like, oh wow, you know, this is so amazing. You're going to have this time alone. You're going to have this transformative experience. It's like, wow, like is she is she crazy? Is she mm. like is she been unhinged or or at you know at the very best, she's so brave, so brave. Yeah. We are really scared of of solitude. And we see, you know, loners, like people who are very comfortable in their own company is a little bit weird and and yeah. um, maybe even a little bit dangerous. And we think that if they're not focused on other people because our, you know, our culture is so focused on relationships as, as like the, mm-hmm. the locus of all happiness and all fulfilment. So if somebody is comfortable with themselves and they're not focused on other people, well, if they're not focused on us, then, then they don't care about us. And if they don't care about us, maybe they're going to hurt us. And so there's, you know, loner or, or like someone who's comfortable alone becomes loner, becomes, you know, possible psychopath when really some people are just really happy in their own company. And that's something that I think is to be applauded. It means they've got a rich inner world. When when you were on your, on your, I'm not touching my phone quest, yeah. what, what kind of into, like I have tried and I've got apps here and apps there that I always end up disabling. I've even given my wife my screen time passcode yeah. like I'm a six-year-old boy, you know, just to, um, to try to stop myself from, from doing this thing. When you went on your, you know, you know mission to try to no, I'm going yeah. to learn how to be by myself, what kind of interventions did you put in place to help you achieve that? Oh, literally turning my phone off. And um, I guess for me, I knew that what I was doing wasn't working mm. and I had to do something different because I was really unhappy. And so I would literally turn my phone off and just put it in my drawer. And when I would want to go and, and you know, get to it before I had decided that, you know, it was time, I would just say no. Like I used that, I used that when I was trying to stop biting my nails many years ago. Like my, my fingers would come up to my mouth. I'd be like, no actually say the word no. Wow. And I would also go for long walks without my phone, which uh-huh. I had never done. Um, and that was also really hard because, you know, I like to use the step counter and um, can mm. be a bit obsessive about that because, again, apps are addictive and they make us addicted to getting our 10,000 steps and all of that, which is, of course, just a random number. But I would go for walks without my phone. So I would have to, you know, do a big walk and actually get back to get my yeah, phone. Yeah, um, and as I said, I journaled a lot and I found that really, really helpful because journaling is essentially being in a conversation with yourself. Mm-hmm. And I just find it so interesting how people, you know, go along their whole lives and never actually see themselves as somebody they're, I guess, in a relationship with. But, you know, the way I try and think of it is imagine yourself on a long-haul flight, except this flight is lasting, say, you know, 80 years, 90 years, and you've got somebody mm-hmm. sitting next to you 
and they seem like a nice person and you're going to be stuck with them for the next 80, 90 years. Can you imagine not starting a conversation with them and getting to know them? They're, you know, you're going to be stuck with them. And, and yet we don't do that with ourselves. And we think we know ourselves, but it's, you know, with you sitting here asking me questions, I'm going to be learning about myself because you're asking me things and I have to think of the answers. But I can ask myself those questions too. I can interview myself like I would interview somebody else. It, it's just so enlightening when you when you do start asking yourself questions and talking to yourself. You'll be amazed at what comes out, like what the answers are. Did you find Did you find a resistance? And I, I like to, you know, we talk about inner child and this, that, and the other. But if anyone's had a toddler who <laughs> really wants to watch this thing, whatever is the thing of the day, there'll be a moment where you say, no, actually we have to go right now. And then it'll escalate and escalate and escalate. And just before they come to, you know, acceptance, it's like four times bigger than the previous thing. If you can just hold on past that, boom, yeah. they're like, yeah. okay, I guess we'll go. Yeah. Did you experience that with yourself? Was there a point where you were like, I don't want to get to that drawer anymore? Huh? Yeah. Look, there's, there's always times where where, you know, you just don't want to go there. And and for me particularly, you know, I, I was a very anxious child. I was a very anxious mm. young adult and older adult and I'd worked a lot of my anxiety, but, but you know, it's still always there. And for me, I think that the darkest thing inside me was that absolute terror of, of never, never really, never being loved again I get, or never, mm. never feeling really genuinely connected to another person. I've got lots of friends who are single and who are perfectly happy being single um, and I had some really good times being single but I had this utter terror of never feeling that sense of deep connection with another person again and I'd been in a really difficult marriage where, you know, we, we were not connected for a long time and then a series of relationships where, you know, I was not connected and that was something that I really wanted and really just wanted to experience again. And so for me, that was almost like my, you know, that was the darkest part and that terror would come up and it would Mm. really be, really be great fear. And the way I imagine is because, you know, when I was trying first to have a baby and, and I wasn't sure if I'd be able to have a baby and then had a miscarriage and that absolute desperation to have a child was, it, it felt very similar and it was scary and it was, it was confronting and it was really hard. And there'd be times when it would just rise up. And, and the only thing I wanted to do was distract myself. And sometimes I would. I mean, I didn't, you know, I didn't burn my phone. It was still there. And I still had three kids mm. at home. And But what it was, was I would take periods of time where I would say, right, I'm just going to sit with this. Yeah, and yeah. and as difficult as it was, any emotion, I mean, I, I've been bereaved. I, you know, I lost my sister when she was 37. And, and what you learn about any sort of pain or grief is that the only way to go through it is to actually let yourself feel it. And so yeah. I'd be, I'd spent at that point seven years fighting that fear of being alone and f- trying to distract myself with, with dating, with men, with friends, with, you know, social media. And when I actually sat with it, eventually it passed. And I got to a point where I was, I was genuinely fine. And of course that, you know, then I, shortly after that, I met my partner, but I really don't believe that whole, you know, shtick about, you find someone when, you know, you least expect it, when you stop looking. It was two things. One, it was I was at a point where I wasn't so needy, I wasn't so desperate, um, yeah. and and so I could actually see, you know, people for who they were instead of how they could potentially fill, fill this, you know, gaping you know, chasm inside me. And also it was yeah. just luck. Sometimes it's just luck. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. And we also I had this ridiculous life where, 
large chunks of my evolution as a human being have been documented on live television. Mm. And, you know, a clip will fly by or a a YouTube video will fly by and my wife will just look at me and going, she would say, I would not have even looked twice at you. I wouldn't even, like, you you would have walked into a club or whatever and you might have given it a shot, but like, mm, I wouldn't have even known. And we... I somehow transformed into a person that she went, oh, yeah. You know, I, I truly believe that we, you know, w- you know, we, we, you know, when you're ready, the universe will provide, is another way of saying is like, when you stop being a punish to be around, the kind of person that you've never been around before will yeah. go, actually, I might be close to you now, but you've never known that they're there because you've just been, in my experience, just way too, way too hard to be around. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened with Audrey. You got three children yeah. and, um, you know, it's it's one thing and it's, you know, it's, it's jokes are made about it that, you know, uh, a mum or particularly in our, you know, society where mums who, who work or work part-time or don't work uh, except for working in the home are constantly surrounded by people and more lonely than ever. And it's, it's, it's really yeah. difficult. And compounding that with if you are doing your job correctly as a parent and there's breaks my heart because I see it happening already with our youngest who's three, but it's certainly happening with our eldest. You were in a slow motion breakup with this person yeah. Yeah. that you love more than anything you've yeah. ever loved. And if you do your job right as a parent, slowly they will want less and less, in yeah. fact, nothing at all to do with you. Yeah. And that is like, it's the worst, but it's like, it's because I've done a good job, you know, because they feel safe enough to go. <laughs> it's awful. Oh, it really is. And, and having three of them, it's, it's funny because my, you know, my son moved out, I think 18 months ago now, and I was really proud of him and and you know he launched he's doing great that was a great feeling my big girl is about to turn 22 and you know we talk a lot about her eventually you know transitioning to to more independence and living out of home but with three you know my my youngest is she was my, my big kids were six and a half and eight and a half when she was born and she was born three weeks after my sister died um, so she has always been like my heart, mm. my external heart, my source yeah. of comfort. And she's yeah. 15 now. And, you know, she Mom, is like, seriously, the eye rolling. And Stop talking. You can't believe you talked on a podcast about that. It's so wrenching. And, but it's healthy and good. Right. So yeah. I like completely get it. But up until quite recently, she was. Yeah, she was my emotional support animal, and yeah, and yeah. it's it's really hard. And, I, and so I can recognise how great it is. But again, I had to do a lot of work on myself because when mm. she started the whole eye rolling and and you know oh god and mm. oh, it's so embarrassing and oh you cringe and you know, whatever, mm. I felt it was like a breakup, like like with the uh, romantic part. I felt mm. so rejected, and then I would you know I sometimes cry and then I'd want to go and run to her and say, why are you doing this to me? You know, I'm such, I love you so much. And I had to really work on, on stopping and talking to myself and talk myself down because that's not fair on her. Like yeah. she's doing exactly what she should be doing. Yeah. And we've seen there's pl- there's plenty of examples in popular culture of when that happens. And it's unfortunately the the trope is it's the mother that does it, but yeah. boy, it's certainly the father. Oh, I've met many a fella. Uh, there's one of my good friends. He's uh, we've since kind of not been in touch for a little while, but one of my good friends was, you know, suddenly found himself 
in a law firm, you know, three years into his or two years into his articles and then so she's like, hang on, I don't want this. This is, my, this is what my dad wanted. Fuck this. Yeah. And he fucked off and went and did a physics degree or something and he's just like yeah. loving life. Yeah. And he moved moved to some, like Cairns or something, like moved like far away. But like dad, that was his father. Yeah. Just this is what you're doing. Yeah. And could not, there was no question. And that is just fucked up, you yeah. know. And it's, it, it's and but, you know, I'll, you know, people only do what they know and that was the generation of the, you know, our parents, my parents' years um, were like that, I, I guess, you know. To, to, to hear you describe that, like, I'm now comfortable with this idea of being alone and, mm. you know, it's hard to have my kids do this, but I'm okay with it. I do work and I'm okay with it. That's, like, for many people listening, that might be just, like, you may as well be talking the story about Hansel and Gretel, you know, like they're expecting, you yeah. know, a woodsman to come out of nowhere. Like, I'm pretty sure it's someone. For people who would like to just begin practicing solitude, they may not be able to go and do a retreat. No, they may not, not yeah. be able to get time away from their kids. They were like, what's a way that we can start to like incrementally, you know, what's the couch to 5K of practicing yeah. solitude? Yeah, no. So it's a really good question. And, and if you had been asking, like, I'm trying to think of the timeline, but 30 years ago, say 40 years, ago, it, it wouldn't even be a question. Like when we hmm. were growing up, I'm sure you remember, like when I was a kid, when I was in my room, when I was in my bedroom, I had my own bedroom, you know, after the first few years of life. And and when I was in my bedroom, I was alone. We didn't have a phone reaching my bedroom. You know, we had one phone in the kitchen and the cord kind of stretched out a bit, but not that far. I didn't have a television. I think I had a clock radio um, eventually so I could play music in my bedroom. But when I was in my room, I was either reading or writing in my diary or listening to music or completely alone with my thoughts. When I was walking to school, I was alone with my thoughts. If I was sitting on a bus, I was alone with my thoughts. So the way that people can can just start to get used to, to being alone with their thoughts is to take those incidental moments of the day, which we all have, but the problem is now you're standing in a queue and what do you do? You pick up your phone, right? When you're in the car, you put on a podcast or you call a friend. You know, I walk around my, my neighbourhood and there is one girl that I see every single morning and she's walking and it doesn't matter what time I go, she's there and she's talking to people. And she obviously uses her, you know, walking time to talk to people. But what I'm suggesting is just for those moments, when you're sitting on the toilet, I mean, how many of us pick up our phones when we're on the toilet? And then, again, you find yourself, you know, sitting there for 10 minutes and you're scrolling. The entire generation of kids who won't be able to spell sodium lauryl sulfate because they've never read (laughs) a shampoo bottle while taking a shit. Yes, but also, I mean, (laughs) do you remember when when I used to eat breakfast, I would read the back of the Wheat Bix container, like the Wheat Bix packet, and I would know all the ingredients. You're essentially saying that we inadvertently, we uh, by doing all these other things, where uh, bear in mind your your neighbour who goes for a walk, that may be a part of their motivation for exercise, and I thoroughly recommend that. but you are, you know, you, people may use a, a podcast as a reward for t- working out or something. However, you're talking about uh, essentially robbing ourselves of this incidental processing time. Yeah, that we us, yes. otherwise used to have all, we didn't think about it, but it was always there. This way to just let our subconscious sort things out <clears throat> and then pop things back out again. But if we never allow our brains to do that, we can get us, things can escalate. Things can get us into trouble. Well, first of all, first of all we're overstimulated. Like mm. when, you know, as I said earlier, I mean, human beings aren't supposed to be always alone, but we're not supposed to be never alone, 
right? And we used to have have those casual moments of solitude. But when you're constantly picking up your phone in every single idle moment, you are never giving your brain a chance to power down. We Mm -hmm. need to power down. We need breaks from all of that stimulation. Our brains haven't evolved, you know, beyond, you know, our brains have not evolved to to, um, process all of this, this content, this input that we're getting all the time. So we really need that for our mental health to stop overwhelm. We need a chance to actually feel our feelings Mm-hmm. Um, because if every time you're you're idle, you're picking up your phone or you're you know turning on a podcast or you're watching TV or whatever, you're never actually sitting with your feelings. Um, we need it just to get to know ourselves, and we just need it to you know learn to be okay in our own company and to learn to to befriend ourselves. And there are real consequences if we don't. And you know you, you read like all you know all the the bosses of big tech don't give mm. their kids phones because they know how how dangerous it is. That's the most terrifying shit of all those films I've seen, all those documentaries I've read, all the books all the books I've read is that, oh, fuck, no, I don't let them touch it. Of course they wouldn't, and they know. <laughs> and, and what's also interesting is about a lot of these, you know, big tech giants and other giants of industry say that they could not achieve what they achieved in this climate because, again, they're never alone and it's in solitude that our minds wander. So it's yeah. in solitude that we we activate the part of the brain that is responsible for daydreaming and mm-hmm. creativity. And if you never get those moments, how can you be creative? How can you come up with ideas? How can you have any sort of independent thought? And I write in the book and, and you know, when I was writing this, I thought, oh, is this a stretch? But, in fact, the research plays out it's not a stretch. Like we need alone time for our moral courage. And, you know, when you do any research into people who have become radicalised, people who Mm. subscribe to kind of weird conspiracy theories, trolls online, you know, they're not um, buying into like a cohesive logical framework, you know, some kind of system of thought that makes sense. What they're doing is that they're not stopping to think about, about, you know, the conspiracy theories or whatever that they're subscribing to. A lot of the extremist ideology is simply about people not stopping to think about what they think they believe in. So they're just, they're getting into group think. They're not taking a step back and going, does this make sense? What are the holes in the logic? Do I really believe this? Um, a lot of, you know, a- acts of, of violence or trolling or, or evil or extreme right-wing thinking is just a failure to actually stop and think. How do you help your, you know, you've, you're getting to the, the end phase of guiding young people and launching them out into the world to hopefully be good to society and to themselves. Yeah. How do you go about guiding and how did you go about guiding the young people in your life to, you know, once you discovered it, were you able to communicate it at all to the young people in your life? You know, it's really difficult because I came to this quite late. It's only been in the mm. last few years. And yeah. I have noticed an enormous difference in the way that my big kids, who I said they're, they're turning 22 and 24, huge yeah. difference in the way they use technology to my 15-year-old because my uh, yep. big kids still had time without phones, time yeah, without yeah. mobile devices, and both of them can put down their devices and do their work or be creative or talk to people um, and literally leave their phones sitting there. My 15-year-old, it is really, really difficult. I am fighting, like we all are, a really, really tough battle. What I wish I could do, and the one kind of piece of advice I I give to parents, or one of the pieces of advice I give to parents in the book is delay giving your kids technology as long as you possibly can, because as soon as you do, it's done. 
And in fact, with my with my 15-year-old, I gave her a phone quite early on because she was the youngest and she mm. was then catching a bus and, yeah. and you know, um, like her siblings were and there were days when her big sister would be doing something else and she'd be by herself and I wanted to be able to track her. Now, I was yeah. never tracked as a kid. Um, but, yeah, right. I've, you know, I completely bought into the whole thing of, oh, God, what if I don't know where my child is? And I, I don't feel I've done a great job. I She has her phone on most of the time. It is something I'm I'm still working on. There are moments now where she'll put it down, um, but it's, it's a battle I'm constantly fighting. And, you know, I feel bad about it, but I also know we are up against something way, way bigger than us. It's so addictive and it's so, it's so pervasive. And what was the loop you called it earlier? The ludic loop. L-U-D-I-C. L-U-D-I-C. I'm going to have to look um, into yeah. that because that's really interesting. Yeah. That, that's, that's, that's really fascinating. Yeah, well, it's exactly what happens to gamblers um, <laughs> when they're sitting, you know, at the pokies and they're just yeah. losing hours and hours feeding it in. It's, it's exactly the same thing. You're on the phone and you're just scrolling. And sometimes I find myself, you know, when, when it does happen, and we all need distractions sometimes. I'm not saying never pick up a phone. Yeah. Um, but sometimes it happens. I think, what have I just been looking at? You know, just hours of videos that are complete fluff. It's yeah, it's it's scratching, but it's scratching eczema. Yeah, you know, it yeah. feels okay for a second, then when you're done, it's like ah, yeah, like what have I done? Well, this is ridic- ridiculous. Yeah. Like so, it's, the uh, the idea that, and we talked about, you know, loners and you know people that can be conspiracy ish and you know kind of get lost looking for. Um, Essentially, everyone's just looking for connection. You know, Johan yeah. Hari would probably tell us a lot about yeah, exactly, that. Yeah. You know, you know, just just looking for connection, trying to feel to feel less alone. Yeah. But can that, you know, loner kind of trope? Uh, and I know I've I've been there. You know, I, there was a time in my life where I didn't want to leave the house for like three days, five days at a time. I wouldn't leave. Being with one's self is that some sort of alleviation and being okay with being with oneself and whatever the fuck has happened and being an acceptance of the thoughts that show up is that a part of maybe alleviating that necessarily that need to constantly look and yeah, poke and of course. get stimulated? Yeah, of course, because. You know, the more comfortable we are with ourselves, the less we need distraction. But, you know, it feeds on itself. It's not just, you know, the more comfortable I am with myself, the less I I'm, need to pick up my phone. It's also the more I pick up my phone, the less I'm going to be comfortable with myself. It's like, you know, when we had TVs, you know, people used to just sit around listening to the radio, you know, listening to music together or playing cards, whatever. And then, then TVs were invented and everyone would just, you know, at, at any quiet moment, you turn the TV on. Um, being idle wasn't a problem before we had a solution for idleness in every, in every spare moment. So being idle wasn't a problem when I was growing up. It was normal to have idle moments. It was normal to have downtime. As I said, walking to school or sitting on a bus or waiting in a queue. But once we were given this magic solution to idleness and this magic solution for kids to boredom, then, you know, we stop, we stop knowing how to deal with those moments. So the more you pick up your phone in every idle moment, the less you know how to entertain yourself. And so you see it all the time. And again, I'm not shitting on parents. I mean, I, you know, I've raised three kids. I know how difficult it can be. And I made exactly these mistakes myself. But when you see your kids being pushed in prams and they're two years old and they're looking at an iPad, right, and what's happening then is they are being trained not to know how to use their imaginations. Kids, we we all have imaginations. Mm. We all are resourceful. And you know, before mobile phones, if you don't have a mobile phone, you put a kid down on the floor and you give him you give him a spoon and he'll start banging the spoon and and you know 
playing or playing with whatever's there. But you give a kid yeah. an iPad and the next time he's alone, he's going to want the iPad. He's going to lose yeah. that ability to, to entertain himself. And we're all losing the ability to entertain ourselves. But are we also, we're, we're losing the ability for, for innovation as well. You know, the idea of, yeah. you, mentioned, you mentioned boredom. Boredom is an extraordinarily important part of creativity and problem solving, isn't it? Yeah, well, boredom is where your imagination gets kicked into gear, right? And, and we're so scared of it now. It's like, you know, a, a child is bored. Well, here, have an iPad. If you just let your child be bored, and again, I know it's not simple and there are circumstances where it's just not going to work if you need the child to behave for, you know, whatever reason. But, you know, when you let a child be bored, they will find ways to entertain themselves. And there's also that whole magic idea I, I used to say to my kids, you know, so I'm bored, I'm bored. Oh, that's fine. I'll give you a chore. You know, go and you can go and sweep the floor. Oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm right. We'll, we'll play with this. We'll play with that. Um, we need boredom. Boredom is where um, yeah. imagination is born and boredom is where creativity is born. And we need time to let our mind wander just for, um, yeah, for creativity. We, we're all creative in some ways. Yeah. And it's not, it's not create, we're not talking like creative, like I'm going to go out and, you know, create, you know, the next number one pop single or, you know, create an opera or, or paint the next Archibald Prize or write the next bestseller. It well, is. Pick, pick, uh, one, pick a lane. I'll yeah. Show, oh, well, you know, uh, that's the problem with me, Carrie, is I chose, <laughs> I choose to swim sideways yeah. across the pool and yeah. people don't know what the fuck to do with me. It's yeah. terrible. The, uh, you know, the idea that, um, you know, if we have, you say, for example, an issue with, our past, there was some sort of trauma in our childhood, some sort of trial, childhood trauma. I don't care who you are. There's some shit that happened in your childhood that instilled a set of a set of rules that still affect you to this very day. Yeah. I don't care how old you are. There's some shit you've got to work on. We all do it. We do it till the day we die alone. Um, it is in those moments that yeah. we have create creative ways of reflecting on those things. Yes. Of, oh, hang on. Is it, is that what happened or did Mrs. Jenkins just have a shitty day? Oh, you yeah. know, suddenly, you know, you are sort of thinking about something that happened in grade two uh, in a completely different creative way. Yeah, because you wouldn't have that if you didn't have the no, no noise in your brain. Absolutely. And when our mind wanders, that's that's what happens when that part of the brain is called the DMN, the default mode network. And, and that's Love what's, it. yeah, I mean, it doesn't really matter, but that's what's activated when, when we're daydreaming. And what happens is if you are busy, it's, you know, doing something else, then then it's not activated. If you are trying to think, if you're trying to solve a problem, you're, you're thinking really carefully like, okay, you're trying to do a math problem. You're, you're solving things in a very linear way, right? So you're going from A to B to C to D. When your mind wanders, when the DMN is activated, you're thinking in a very creative way. So when I say creative, it doesn't mean you're going to pick up a paintbrush. It just means that your mind will wander from A to C to a taco to a you know, windowsill to what happened when you were three to back to the taco. You know, your brain is moving around and, and you form links between things that you wouldn't have necessarily thought of if you were trying to address a problem in a linear way. That's why people get to the shower. You know, well, they also get to the shower to get clean, presumably. But, you know, we're it's a great way to think because you, you mm. get in the shower and you find that that whatever it is that you've, you know, that problem that's been niggling you suddenly comes to you when your mind is is free to to wander. A lot of creative people love the shower. Can't run anymore. There was a time in my life where I ran 10Ks every day, no matter what, and I can't run anymore. But I uh, there was never a time where I walked out of the house with a problem and didn't come back with a solution because yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't run with anything. I'd, I'd, I'd run with a set of house yeah. keys and that was it. And the, the other example I'd like to give is when I, I can now snowboard so well, I got bored of it and I started skiing again. That's why they call nothing... it snowboard. Yeah, well, I was 
I, I would start, I would just like do it backwards, you know, for the whole day. Just I mean, which to of do. us have it snowboarded yeah, backwards, um, honestly? But when I first learned, I couldn't do it at all. First day, I was purple from top to toe and I did not link one turn together. All right. I went back to our apartment in Perisher that I was staying with, you know, like seven people or whatever. Next day, first lift, got up, turned. Yeah. Now, I had not taken another turn since I had hit so hard. I was like, fuck this, let's go home. My brain put it together yeah. overnight. Yeah. All right. And it was only in that downtime. It was only in that time away. Do you think, Kerry, that we are starting to maybe look towards a place where, you know, we say, oh, you know, try not to eat this, you know, try not to eat saturated fats all day long, you know, balance your diet. This is a way to have a long and healthy life with your body. Try to get some exercise, try to get, you know, 10, 20 minutes a day where your heart rate's a little bit up, go for a walk. You know, this is an important thing. Like, ah, do you think we're going to get to the point where we'll now get a recommendation of like, activate your DMN for this long a day? Absolutely. And I think, I think we definitely will be advised and we're advised now to have periods of time without technology and without our phones. And we need it for so many different reasons. And, you know, I interviewed a lot of people for the book and some of the responses were so interesting. People figured it out for themselves. So there was a woman who I talked to who had lost her son when he was young and she sat every day, it was like five or 10 minutes, where she would just sit quietly and think about her son and feel those feelings and feel the grief and feel the pain and allow it to wash over her and then she could put it down and get on with her day. Um, and there was another woman, it was one of my favourite quotes, who said to me that she needs alone time because there are knots in her brain that need untangling, right? And she just, you know, so when she felt herself, you know, getting all knotting, getting all tight, she would just take some alone time as, you know, a mental health break. And I think um, it's, you know, I saw what happened in lockdown, you know, when so many young people and so many older people were just completely stuck, stuck on their devices, stuck with all of this input, and it was proper mental health crisis for so many people and we need time away and just you know I'm honestly I'm the least spiritual person in the world but things like getting out in nature is really important like we're actually biologically programmed as human beings to be soothed by nature so soothed by trees and water and I mean that's why it's so great living in Sydney because you can actually see the water and if you're lucky enough you know get close enough you can hear the water and um, those sounds li- literally serve as as natural calmatives. So, you know, we all need time away from our devices and with ourselves and with the natural environment. As as someone who you know has no medical degrees, what would be your prescription <laughs> of minutes minutes per day to try to aim for? Oh, look, it it depends on it depends on where you are and what you're going through and and how you know how good you are already with solitude. I mean, there are people who. Yeah, you know, I know um, a young man who took himself off for a ten-day silent retreat, which I just think is extraordinary for you know a man in his early twenties. And then there are others for whom you know taking a couple of minutes, like sitting on the toilet without picking up their phone, is a struggle. So I just say start small, like start really small. Start by trying to go for a walk around the block without your phone. Start by you know when you're when you're pottering around your house as we all do, and you're doing you know a bit of housework or you're cooking or whatever. Just try doing that with no devices. Don't take phone calls. You know, don't listen to music. Just spend, you know, that that particular task um, yeah. without any any input. Start small and, and build up. You also mentioned journaling. There's all there's many there's many ways to you know to journal as there are you know ways to cook a fish. Yeah, what's a, what's a simple framework that people can give it give a go? I think literally um, writing down whatever it is like your mind junk, whatever it is that is going round and round in your brain, putting that down on paper. Or 
I really like having a conversation with myself. So as I said, asking myself questions and answering those. And the way you can do that is to ask yourself a question as you would ask a friend, how are you today? You know, what are you feeling today? Um, what do you want for the next week? Or, or, you know, what are you hoping for for your life? Or what are your goals? Um, and failing that, I mean, there are so many journal prompts online. There are, there are journals with actual prompts in them. Mm. Something else that is a great one to do, and you can do that when you're journaling, you can just do that when you're just sitting with your thoughts, is thinking for pleasure. Um, mm. And, you know, we are all so good at thinking catastrophic thoughts and bad thoughts and thinking of exactly what can go wrong and what we're upset about and what we're worried about and what we resent and what could potentially be the worst case scenario. But we can also think of good thoughts. Like we can also use our brains to fantasize about something that we would like to see happen or to reflect on a really good memory or to have an imaginary conversation with with a person in our life who who may or may not be here, who, you know, we have, you know, good and positive feelings about. So you know, we can do that. We just, for whatever reason, very, very few of us do that. Something that I do a lot is, you know, I'll I'll just take a walk in my mind around my late grandparents' home. Um, it was somewhere where I used to stay a lot as a oh. child and I have lots of really good memories from there and I will literally take myself into the front door and look around the kitchen and go through to the living area and walk up to the bedrooms and it just calms me and makes me feel really good. That's extraordinary. That's an extraordinary adventure. What an interesting thing to do as part of activating this default mode network. Yeah, and, and just as, as part of, of realising that our brains are these really rich sources of material. We don't just have to get it from our phone and we don't just have to get negative material from ourselves. Yeah, there's not, ah. you know, I'm sure you know this, like, like our bodies don't know the difference between whether something is actually happening or whether we just are imagining it is so that when we're thinking of something awful, you know, we get all the stress reaction and, and all the unpleasant bodily sensations as though it was really happening. But mm. by the same token, if we think of something really positive and good, our bodies also don't realise that's not happening. So there's nothing stopping anyone from, from you know, reflecting on the best day of their life or from imagining something that really wonderful is happening to them. I mean, up until very recently, I used to imagine myself winning an Oscar a lot. Um, I did acting very briefly as a teen and I would think about winning an Oscar way into my 20s and 30s when I wasn't acting at all. And sometimes I'd kind of turn it into winning an Oscar for screenwriting and I hadn't mm -hmm. actually written any screenplays, but it was still like a really, you know, fun scenario. I'd imagine what I was wearing and what my makeup looked like and my hair. And uh, we can use our brains for pleasure as well as pain. We should be. A moment away from Kerry Sackville to say, if you need to email me, super easy. Send us your email at gmail.com if you'd like to keep in touch. There's a mailing list in the show notes. Uh, I'd love you to jump on that mailing list. I promise I won't spam you, but it's it's a more direct and more reliable way that I can stay in touch with you and let you know about things that are going on, particularly with a live show, particularly with a podcast, because there's some plans afoot, and I'd love to let you know about them. We are back in just a moment with Kerry Sackville. Stay with us. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You you talk about you know what it is to now you're on the other side. I guess well you're still very comfortable with being alone. I'm assuming you also though are back in a relationship yeah. and one sounds like it's quite a healthy one. Yeah. What about this, if there's people in our lives who are still in that that kind of single phase and they may wish to never not be in that single phase? Yeah. What are, what are some ways that we can you know have them in our lives without I don't know, rubbing it in. I don't know what, what, how I want to ask that. You know, honestly, it was very hard to kind of work out what my feelings were about being single and the terror that I experienced about being single from what our culture told me mm. about what it means to be single. We are terrible with single people in our culture. I mean, I lost count of the number of times I was asked as a single person, why are you single? And, like, sometimes Mm. it would actually be, like, what's wrong with you? Like, why are you not in a relationship? And the advice I got from people about how to get into a relationship. Now, I was married for 17 years and not once in those 17 years did anyone say, why are you married? And since I've been in a relationship, no one said, oh, why? Like, why are you in a relationship? Why would you do that? Like, we just have this, you know, incredible stigma against singledom. We believe that relationships, as I said, are are just the source of all happiness, the ultimate in fulfilment when really being single is a perfectly legitimate way to live. It's just a different way to live. And, you know, this whole romantic ideal about how, you know, love and marriage is, is the, you know, the ultimate, the ultimate goal, the ultimate source of joy, you know, we all know that, in fact, a lot of relationships end up, you know, they, they don't last till the end of your life. A lot of marriages end up in divorce. And a lot of people who are married are really not all that happy. It's a complete myth that romantic love is the source of all all joy. And so I think for for us with single people to recognise that it's just another way to live a life and there's nothing Mm. wrong with being single and to kind of try and challenge those cultural narratives about what it means to be in or out of a relationship. Um, And, of course, to include single people. You know, I I think one part of things about being single is is that your couple friends tend to drop off and forget to include you. Um, and again, that's just because, oh, what do we do with a single person? I mean, it's just, it's, it's your friend, it's a person. So, you know, we can all change our attitudes towards that. And to also recognize that being single is a choice. There are plenty of people who don't want a relationship, particularly, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of women, because, because, you know, marriage has not, you know, traditionally been great for a lot of women because of the unfair burden of, of childcare and, and housework. And as a single person, if you are a single person, um, and this is incredibly important to not see being single as some kind of like train station, you know, where you're waiting for the train that's going to take you to happy couple town, right? Mm. It's it's a destination. It's a place. It's it's a way to live a life. Um, it may yeah. be that you end up in a relationship. It may be that you don't. But don't put off living your life or doing the things you want to do because you're going to do that when you find a partner. So you travel by yourself or you travel with friends. You know, you take yourself to the show if you don't have a, a partner to go with or you go with a, you know, with a, a mate. And to just stop stop seeing singledom as some kind of weird limbo in between relationships. 
it's just come to mind because there there's people in my life who are this. They're women in their, shall we say, anywhere from their mid fifties to their late sixties, who are alone. They live alone in a rental. They enjoy gardening. Well, maybe once a week, go and see one of the you know nieces or nephews or whatever, and that's fine. Swap that out for a man in their late fifties to late sixties by himself in an apartment renting, going to visit nieces and nephews. We don't treat him the same. I would. We're pretty fucking sus of him. Yeah, I would. I we're sus of him, but I would argue that we tend to feel sorry for single women. And I would argue that we don't need to feel sorry for single women because I know a lot of single women who were really happy. And once I'd done the work on myself, I was really happy as well. Um, yeah. And I know women who have no intention of getting back into a relationship. In my experience on the dating scene, I think that a lot of men really did struggle to be alone. Uh, and, again, I, I think that particularly my generation, you, you know, I, I think a lot of the times after divorce, I wish I'd done more of it, but a lot of times women after divorce, particularly with kids, take the time to sort themselves out, to mm. you know, develop their inner resources, to develop their resilience and just to look after the kids. And so they learn how to be alone and they're often so relieved to get out of the situation. Yeah. But the men on dating scene, the dating scene in midlife tend to be a little bit different, mainly for the reason that men on the midlife dating scene tend to have been left by their partners um, because, you know, most men who exit relationships in midlife are exiting to somebody else. Um, they've um, got somebody else lined up and they tend to be quite bewildered, angry, resentful, distressed. And still from, you know, men of my generation, there is that stigma against therapy. So they don't do a lot of working on themselves and they kind of rush headlong into the, into, onto the dating scene and often use women as, you know, pseudo therapists and, and, you know, you go on a date and they're sitting there crying and talking yeah. about their exes and it's, it's rough. And I think, and I hope that's changing that young people will be more comfortable on their own. But just when you mentioned that the apps there, I did uh, towards the end of it, I was complaining to someone about it and I said, nah, you got to understand what you pick up that phone in a different way that the woman picks up their phone. You pick, you pick up the app when you're horny. She <laughs> picks up the app when you're lonely. Two completely different outcomes. Yeah, but you know what? Yeah. A lot of men would pick up would, would pick up the app when they want someone to talk to, like when they want comfort and when they want like sympathy and they just want someone to unload to. I mean, the number of times I would go on a date and I would just be listening to, oh, my wife was such a bitch. Oh, she, you know, she did this. Oh, my and God. oh yeah. Oh, or she oh. was bad. Or, or, I mean, I had men crying on the first date and not because Good of God. my beauty or, or you know, overwhelming you know, presence. They would be crying over their their wives. Both of which are <laughs> stunning. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, but no, it was like a, a lot of men use women, and I'm sure you know you, there'll always be people who yeah you know, will listen to this and go oh but women behave badly too. Yes, yes, they they do. I'm sure. I didn't date women. I dated men, but there were a uh, lot of a lot of men who you know just were desperate for someone to talk to. I'll tell you the my my experience uh, with those for one particular app was that the the dates that I went on that looked like they were going to go somewhere, as in like, oh, this could be a thing. I think it was three in a row. It was uh, the husband or the boyfriend was out of town and I was being lined up wow. for the next vine to swing to. It happened three times in a row. Wow. And I was like, wow, this is really 
such a connection. It's amazing. When can I see you again? It's ah, look, now my boyfriend's on tour right now. Pardon, what? Yeah. And that happened three times in a row. I was like, fuck this. I'm done. Yeah. I'm out. I don't want to be a part of that. Yeah. I don't want to be in any of that noise at all. And yeah, I was far happier to be alone and then kind of figure out what it was going on with me that I was. Exit you that know, you're attracted. Yeah. Well, sending those I, I don't messages. Think you were you know? necessarily attracting that, but I think what what happens is that, you know, you're when you feel that intense chemistry with somebody who it yeah. turns out to be, you know, either cheating on a partner or or is a narcissist or whatever whatever it's else. It's called the con- the contemplative pre pre contemplation yeah, or the, con- the contemplative yes. stage. Yeah. But you've got yeah. it like you've it, there is something about yourself that is that is feeling the chemistry with people who aren't good for you. Yep. Yeah. I uh, learned that yeah. lesson. Oh, didn't we all? Yeah. That's an important lesson to learn. Yeah. Uh, you have such an extraordinary amount of, of, of knowledge in this in this area and, and to be able to dive into it with you like this has been a, a true joy. I'm really grateful that you've written this book because it is, it's a thing that we are so afraid of because yeah. the solution's in our hand. Yeah. The solution to being with the uncomfortable time that I was on a date and I said a dumb thing and then the person cried. Like the solution to that is in my hand. Yeah. And I can just swipe and it goes away. Yeah. But do I learn anything about my behavior if I avoid processing that and being with the discomfort of it? No. No. No, I don't. It's all exposure therapy. Uh, it is. It's all exposure therapy. It's, it's all exposure therapy. It sure yeah. is. Uh, but I'm, I'm grateful that you've written about it. And maybe we'll see a day where, you know, the idea of not engaging with your phone, not just because it's bad to hold onto it, but like, cause it means that the rest of your brain doesn't get to process all that other stuff. Yeah. It, it's like our brains process things when we're asleep. They process things when we're awake as well. Of course we're always do. told that sleeping is important to, you know, compartmentalize memory and all this kind of stuff, but it's also really important when we're awake. Yeah. And there was a lot of that goes on when we're just, you know, coiling the hose around the reel yeah. or, you know, Grabbing that weed between the pavers on the way back from the bin. Yeah, or working out what that weird gunk was at the bottom of my dishwasher. Um, yeah. What the fuck is that stuff? I don't. Usually weed picks. Usually weed picks. It was picks. weirdly. That's how the pyramids were held together. Yeah, I think um, you're right. But it, it, was, the, it was weirdly sticky though. But anyway, that's. Kerry, you're the lot. Thank you so much for making the time for this. And I, I promise you, next time we chat, I will have a studio built for you. Excellent, excellent. But this is this has been great. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's been, it's been terrific and I feel really passionately about this. So it's always good to have a chance to talk about it. And that was Kerry Sackville. Her latest book, The Secret Life of You, How a Bit of Alone Time Can Change Your Life, Relationships and Maybe the World. It's out wherever you get your books. So go get it. She's great. She's written a heap of other books. Super, super fun. And a lovely human being. And, um, Yeah. I certainly did some of the things that we spoke about in, this, in that conversation and um, they've made my my life remarkably different. And uh, that's why I love making the show because each conversation just gives me just a little extra something. And I hope it gives you that too because I certainly action the things that I hear here. I hope you do as well. Thanks for being a part of it. Thanks again for those of you who came to say hey at the live show in Newcastle. It was super duper to say day. Do let me know if you need anything. I'm always around. Send off your email at gmail.com. It comes right to my desktop. It's just another inbox on my um, app here. So... 
I will read that. I read every email that comes through. Send me a photo of where you're listening. Take a photo of what you're looking at. Send it to me. I'd love to see what's going on in your world. It's nice, you know. It's nice to see what you see where if you watch the YouTube channel of this show. I've got a YouTube channel. If you look at the YouTube channel of this show, you know where I am. So I'd love to know, you know, what are you looking at? Uh, thank you very much to everyone that helped me make the show. Toe Hider on the music, Bree Steele on research and production support, Andy Ma on video and audio post-production, and Rachel Barrett, the executive producer of everything. I'll see you Wednesday. Thanks for listening. If you like this show, can you share it with someone? Really appreciate that. Really helps us a lot. Okay, bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.